What's up, Beaver Nation? Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Managing Editor Brendan Slaughter joined, as always, by recruiting analyst Jared Hallis. Well, it's another uh, month where as we enter May, Jared, what have the last couple months been like for you as we've kind of navigated this new COVID-19 pandemic world? We're another month in. It seemed like it's been several months since we've done our last podcast, but in reality, it's only been... uh, a couple weeks, uh, I guess time just kind of doesn't really have a set thing right now. No, it feels like the days are starting to blend together. You know, I, I've just kind of been uh, doing doing the same old thing, waking up and uh, making sure everything's, you know, up to date on the site with the recruiting news and, you know, making sure we have everything on there uh, as soon as possible. And uh, just kind of, kind of, you know, trying to, to stay uh, positive and, you know, hope that, that we're nearing the end of this thing. Yeah, no doubt. The days blending together, I can definitely relate as it kind of just seems like we all have our routines now, whether that's working at home, whether that's going to work for a little while, if you're in that select group of people coming back and, you know, we're starting to see some progress as of May 1st or excuse me, May 2nd around the country as you know, some little things are starting to open up and we're starting to see some developments. So uh, trending still in the right direction. So, you know, continued patience and whatnot is paramount but nevertheless despite everything kind of still being in flux there's still been quite a bit of Oregon State news you know to be honest Jared uh it's kind of been business as usual in a lot of regard yeah it's definitely uh been good to see them at least uh carry on somewhat as usual you know not not necessarily as usual but trying to make things as normal as possible um you know both you know, just by player development and also recruiting wise, um, you know, they're doing what they can. So it's been a little bit nice to see that and kind of, you know, reminds you of the good old days where we were free to to do whatever we wanted. <laughs> the good old days, you know, uh, we'll be getting to the good old days again here soon. I, I have I have no doubt with, uh, you know, all the people that are, you know, making sacrifices and working hard, you know, throughout the country to get us through us and you know obviously all of us at beaversedge.com are thankful to those that are out there on the front lines but uh you said something interesting there jared uh just kind of in terms of um keeping it as as close to business as usual as possible and um that reminded me when i caught up with uh, oregon state receivers coach kafense henson uh, earlier Mm -hmm. this week he kind of noted that when we were talking um about you know what might stick what might stay Uh, as a result of this. And he said that with the exception of being physically present, there's nothing they can't do. Hmm. And I thought, and I thought that really kind of stuck out. I was like, wow, believers know what they're doing. They have a plan and they're executing it. Yeah. That's about is, I mean, if if you're a fan, that's exactly what you want to hear because it just means that, you know, they're going to carry on and do exactly whatever they can. and, And from what it sounds like they can do everything. Uh, you know, except for physically be somewhere. So that's really, really great thing to hear. No, and, and actually, as exemplified by that, you know, uh, I go back to um, the report we had a couple days ago from Jake Weingarten of Stock Risers that said that, you know, Oregon State was recruiting 2021 uh, JC point guard on the men's basketball side, L. Ellis, and was giving him a fully virtual campus tour, uh, you know, just kind of being a new territory as far as what the beavers can do and we'll obviously be looking to catch up with ellis here soon to learn how that went but just the the feasibility of that you got to give uh wayne tinkle credit and give the entire kind of 
technology department for Oregon State a lot of credit for kind of being able to find new and creative ways to get their message out there to recruits and kind of show them what Oregon State's all about. Yeah, no doubt. Again, it's definitely something that you like to hear. Uh, and, you know, we've been checking in with all the coaches and stuff like that. And there definitely is a lot of virtual things uh, and virtual measures being taken right out to, to ensure that things can, you know, continue as, as well as they can. And, uh, you know, not, I, don't, I don't believe that every school is doing that. I'm sure that, that uh, you know, everybody's kind of doing their own thing. But I, I really like the way Oregon State's been approaching this. Uh, I think they're, nope. you know, putting their best foot forward and putting in a lot of hard work to make sure that, again, things are as normal as possible. No doubt. And, you know, that's a, another tremendous point, Jared, you know, uh, talking through the coaches, you know, the last couple of weeks, they've all said, you know, we know there are going to be schools that don't take advantage of this time. That's just, that's fact. You know, there are going to be some that don't take advantage as well as others. And, you know, that's why coach Smith has, you know, said over and over again, and his staff has reiterated over and over again, we put, you know, a high level of, uh, you know, uh, trust in our guys that they're going to be doing the right things, working out, and, you know, staying fit because, you know, as Coach Smith put it, it will be obvious and evident who took advantage of this time and who didn't take advantage of this time. So I'm really excited to see what, what that kind of manifests and looks like on the field. But uh, transitioning along, let's do a quick little rundown of the NFL draft occurred uh, just this last weekend. And uh, several Beavers found new homes. Mm-hmm. Quarterback Jake Luton was the first Beaver taken off the board, surprisingly. Um, if it was me, I've said this before, I would have bet money that it was Isaiah Hodgins going first. I was quite surprised to see Jake go first. But nevertheless, Jake does go first. Sixth round, 189th overall to Jacksonville, where he will join a quarterback room that includes Josh Dobbs and Gardner Minshew. So going to be the stash brothers in Jacksonville with Jake <laughs> and Gardner Minshew. Jared, uh, you think you might be able to sneak down to a Jags game now? You know, uh, it's, it's definitely Jacksonville's the next closest NFL team to me. Uh, that's not a uh, not the Falcons, of course. So I might actually be able to do that. I think that would be pretty cool uh, for our subscribers to you know maybe see some see something uh, from from Jake in person again. Uh, you know, yeah, just, dude, I'm. Uh, I'm I'm telling you that if, if for whatever reason, like I said, and whether it be an injury, a change, if we find out that Jake Luton starting a game, we're gonna we're gonna have to be syncing something up to get you in line with Jake Luton down there to get the, get a little a little video action going or something. No doubt, the worst I could do is probably uh, you know go up there for a preseason game at least because he'll, he'll see some action in preseason, no doubt. Um, and you know that's you mentioned you know Josh Dobbs and Gardner Minshew. Of course, Minshew kind of made made a name for himself throughout the last season, but he's definitely not a guy where you know he's he, he's solidified his, his spots so much to where he cannot be beat out. And I'm not saying that Jake Luton's going to go in there and do that immediately, but there's definitely uh, opportunity there, and uh, I think that you know he could potentially surprise some people. You never know. Well, here's here's an interesting thing, and, and you know we'll see what happens because I'm not a hundred percent convinced that the um, Jacksonville Jaguars won't uh, take you know a chance at someone like uh, Cam Newton, maybe even an Andy Dalton. I, sure. I, you know we'll see what happens with their quarterback room, but if it stays as is, you're talking about a guy in Jake Luton who's actually a year older than Gardner Minshew. And no disrespect to Josh Dobbs, but he's kind of been a career backup in the league and is into his more veteran years now after being with 
uh, behind Ben Roethlisberger for several years and a couple other spots. Yeah. Jake Luton's going to come in there as one of the more polished guys in the draft, you know, being a six-year guy. He needs to work on some, you know, accuracy and a few things, but all the tools and mechanics for Luton are there. Injuries happen. Sophomore slump could happen for Gardner Minshew, who, as you mentioned, the Jags pretty much bet the bank on after trading away Nick Foles after giving him a massive contract. So, you know, anything can happen. And, you know, Jake, you know, he's got some decent weapons at receiver, um, especially now that he's got LaVisca Chenault as well, who was drafted by Jacksonville as well, former Pac-12 foe, uh, with a couple other receivers there too. So, sneakily, I loved where he ended up. It's a good home. Again, it's definitely a place where he could grow and, uh, you know, you know, have a chance to, to actually compete for a starting job, depending on, again, what kind of offseason moves they make and, and, you know, just how well uh, each of the, those guys do in, in training and stuff like that. So it's, it's, a, it's a great place that he, that he ended up. He's got some good players around him. Um, it, it's a, just a, a good organization, of course. Uh, most of them are in the NFL. So it's a, it's, it's a cool situation, and, you know, you never know what can happen. Hopefully I'll be able to, to get down there maybe, and uh, the, the Beaver fans on, on Beaver's Edge can see firsthand what's going on. Yeah, just compare last note on Luton, just comparing him to the last Oregon State quarterback that was drafted. Jay, or Jake Luton was drafted, obviously, by Jacksonville. The last Oregon State quarterback to be drafted was Sean Mannion back uh, in 2014 excuse me, the 2015 draft following the 2014 season. And Sean Mannion was in a tougher spot because he went to then a St. Louis Rams team that was already established with Nick Foles and Jeff Fisher. But at the time, by the year the year came to the close and Jake Luton and, or excuse me, Sean Mannion had kind of started to get his bearings. The very next year, the Rams invest the number one overall pick in almost their entire, you know, mortgage on Jared Goff. And we're seeing that not pay off now as they traded away so many picks to get there. But then at that point, you have a second year guy in Sean Mannion that was never going to get a fair shake to, you know, compete with Jared Goff. Compared to Jake Luton, who I think, you know, I'm not saying, you know, Gardner Minshew is, you know, not the guy, because I think he is. But I think Jake will be given a fair shake to show what he can do, and I think that's important. There's, again, yeah, there's no doubt about it, and that's why it's a, such a great place for him to, to end up because there's not uh, a ton of uh, security for, for Minshew yet at that position. Again, uh, he, he's a guy who definitely could secure that spot uh, pretty easily, but there's uh, there's room. you know, There's room for, for Luton to, to make some noise, and that's all you can really ask for as a rookie in the NFL. As the Beaver's Edge board would say, never count out, rootin' tootin' lootin'. Got to throw it in there for him. Uh, moving uh, right along here in the uh, draft order, very next up, uh, 207th overall, sixth round, the Minnesota Vikings took offensive lineman left tackle Blake Brandle. Uh, I love this pick. Everything I know about Blake, you know, he fits the toughness and the grit that uh, Minnesota plays with. They like to run. He's a great run blocker. You know, you've got to figure he'll kind of rise up real well. And, you know, he kind of fits the downhill running with Dalvin Cook and the play action pass. Um, yeah, not a lot to say on this one other than I think that's a terrific fit for him. Yeah, no doubt. I'm ha very happy for him. And, of course, all the guys who, who got taken from Morgan Staff, I think he found a, a good home as well. Uh, and hopefully, you know, just like Jake, he'll be able to go in there and, and uh, you know, kind of make a little bit of noise. And then surprisingly, Jared, 
did you consider yourself surprised that Isaiah Hodgins was the third and final Beaver drafted in the sixth round? 100%. It was just like you mentioned earlier on. Uh, it was, you know, the, the last thing I expected. Um, and that's no disrespect to either of the other two guys at all because, you know, you, you expected them to go as well. But Isaiah Hodgins, man, he, he's he's one of the best receivers last season in, uh, in the whole NCAA. Um, I, I truly don't understand. I know some people knock his speed a little bit, but he's quick. He runs good routes, and he has absolutely sticky hands. So I really didn't understand it. Um, but the Bills absolutely got a steal in Isaiah Hodgins, and I think it won't take too long to uh, for them to, to realize that. No, and on honestly, you know, like after the fourth round came and went and the fifth round came and went, I go, okay, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, even all the people we were talking to, maybe we all had kind of, you know, orange colored glasses on being on the West Coast. We maybe thought Hodgins was a little bit more hype than he was. But then I went back and I started looking at his combine numbers and he just, he had good numbers. You know, he even ran good routes at Pro Day. You know, here's a guy that, you know, was just, you. I mean, you remember, Jared, making national headlines for, you know, what he did in the Pac-12 this last season. And again, a terrific rapport with Jake Luton. So yeah. to see him fall was a bit surprising. But, but, in my opinion, Buffalo got a fourth or, and this receiver class was deep, a fourth round talent in the sixth round, which I think is impressive and i think it's going to be great in a multiple of reasons but more importantly with tom brady out of the picture in the afc east the bills are primed to rise to the top of that division he'll link up with a former oregon state teammate and jordan poyer who just got a big extension to be one of their safeties of the future um i figure they'll probably grow a nice rapport you know beaver to beaver kind of a thing um, and then, yeah, I figure, you know, with what they have, you know, they have some speedsters, they have Stephon Diggs, uh, John Brown, and then a good veteran in Cole Beasley. There's a lot that Hodgins can learn. Not only can he learn from a player like Diggs, he can learn from a really established veteran in Cole Beasley. And Hodgins brings something to the table that none of those guys have in the sense that he is a huge red zone target. So I think there's a multitude of ways that if he can connect with Josh Allen early, uh, this could be a guy that in a couple years you're like, how did he fall in the sixth round? I truly believe it. Yeah, no, there's absolutely no doubt about it. Again, he, he's an absolute steal for, for a six-rounder. and Just so, somebody, again, who, like you said, can can absolutely become a guy that, that in a couple of years you, you have no idea how they ever slipped that far. Like a Tom Brady type almost, not saying he's going to be the best receiver. Six rounds, six rounds, there I, it is. Right, I'm just saying that he he can you know he could become a guy that you know becomes a you know one of the top receivers on that team maybe even top receiver in the NFL um, because he he he's got that kind of talent he really does and if anything I'm sure this this will motivate him to uh, to to prove to everybody what we're saying right now. It was interesting last note on Hodgins uh, just a bit more of a comical note we were catching up with him uh, over at uh, Rip City Mornings uh, where uh, I spend part of my other time. And uh, he uh, and he was talking about the draft and, you know, where he maybe would have liked to have gone. And, you know, what's interesting, Jared, is, you know, he kind of joked with us before he was kind of like, you know, I don't really mind where I go. But, you know, my wife would really like it if I went somewhere warm. And then he ends up in Buffalo. That is super unfortunate. <laughs> I didn't that. Wow. Uh, 
Yeah, and shortly after, you know, they, they reconvened. He said, he said, you know, I'm going to have to promise my wife a, a vacation in Mexico uh, after this season. I go, yeah, as far as, like, cold goes, Jared, can you get much colder than Buffalo? Of course. You really given can. that Minnesota is now inside? Yeah, maybe him and Jake should, uh, should do a little trade action. <laughs> yeah, Jake's going to have the – he's going to have a little bit warmer weather, that's for sure. Hodgins is, you know, he's trained for it, though. He was in the Oregon State cold for a couple years, so now he needs to really get set up for the snow up there because, man, it seems like at least once or twice a year, Jared, you're on NFL Red Zone and Buffalo's covered in snow. Oh, yeah, you got guys. I remember seeing a picture. Of course, I don't think this was in Buffalo. In fact, I think it was like Green Bay or something. But it just reminds me, when I think of Buffalo, I think of like that picture of Calvin Johnson when he was in the NFL he made like a diving catch and he comes up and you can't even see his face because his entire face mask and helmet yep. is just covered in snow. That's probably a situation where you could see Isaiah in, uh, here in the near future. So sorry, sorry uh, to, to his woman. Hopefully that that will uh, they'll be able to find a compromise. And <laughs> it works. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It, it, all in fun, but I, I definitely was a, a comical note from Isaiah. I said, wish him all the best of luck. And, you know, speaking of the cold, it's a great transition to Oregon State's first undrafted free agent. Running back Artavis Pierce ended up in Chicago, teaming up with former running back and teammate Ryan Nall. Could be the Oregon State backfield starting to develop in Chicago. Jared, what are you seeing there? Yeah, that would be a super cool thing for that to happen. I think he's a really talented player. Um, showed, showed me a lot just from watching him in one season. I, I think he's definitely an NFL guy. Um, and somebody who, you know, again, could, could make some noise. I, I mean, definitely someone who I wasn't necessarily surprised to see him fall to the point that he did. But I think he, he's a guy who can go in there and turn a lot of heads um, and end up being another person where we're saying, how did this guy not get drafted? Yeah, no, Artavis Pierce, definitely an under the under the radar guy, but he's a hard worker. And, I you know, I, I didn't necessarily expect him to get drafted. I thought there was a chance. Um, but, you know, there at the end when you can kind of, you know, the old adage, you know, you'd rather maybe get, you know, not drafted in the seventh round to choose your place of team via the uh, undrafted free agent pool. And, you know, Pierce in this case, you know, he lands in a place with Matt Nagy and, you know, uh, Andy Reid disciple. Uh, you got to figure this year they're going to try to open up that offense, having Nick Foles compete with Mitch Trubisky and try to get things more up and down. I think Pierce is better primed to see more playing time than Null just because of his um, his build and skill sets a little bit differently. And, you know, Pierce is a guy that, you know, you know, if you're an NFL scout and you look at his highlight tape, two or three of his best highlights of his career are coming against Ohio State on national television back in 2017 when he broke two massive runs. And I'm sorry, if you got highlights against Ohio State, that's almost alone enough to get you at least one free agent deal in the NFL, right, Jared? Yeah, it's, it's a, that's a good team to do big against for sure. And, uh, yeah, no, all the best of luck to Artavis. Uh, moving right along, uh, the next guy up was Clay Cordasco. A bit of a surprise that this was the Oregon State lineman that signed as Gus Lavaca. Still remains on sign, but nevertheless, Clay uh, lands the Cincinnati Bengals and. I'm a little jealous of Clay because he gets to hang out with Joe Burrow now. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's definitely a guy that you want to block for if uh, if given the opportunity. Um, you know, of course, with, with Cincinnati making their moves now with the offseason, getting rid of Andy Dalton and stuff like that, it almost seems like the 
the stars are aligned for Joe Burrow, and you know maybe maybe uh, he can get in there and uh, make some noise to uh, to you know be one of the guys blocking for him. It'd be uh, it would certainly be uh, interesting to see if you know the the Cincinnati curse could change now that uh, Clay and Joe are putting you know, things together. But no, best of luck to best love, of luck to Clay. Hey, Go ahead. As a Steelers fan, I hope to God that that is not the case. <laughs> fair enough, Jared. Fair enough. But uh, yeah, no, I uh, it was definitely unique to see Clay uh, make it after you know he just really got this one year of starting experience. Um, but he was great. You know, he was a model of consistency on that right side of the line. And I think that's what Cincinnati saw when they took him. So uh, best of luck to Clay again. And uh, we'll wrap up with uh, Noah Togiai, or Tongiai, rather, excuse me, ends up with the Philadelphia Eagles. And Togiai is a guy that for many years, if he, you know, hadn't suffered, you know, the two knee injuries, you know, here's a guy that if you ask most Beaver fans that have watched and been around the program for the last five years, said that if this guy didn't get injured, he had all the potential to be one of the better tight ends the Beavers had in school history. With that being said, this last year, he was healthy on the field and, you know, had his most productive year. And he signs this, you know, undrafted free agent deal with Philadelphia, who uses more two tight end sets than maybe just about anybody in the NFL. And, you know, he's going to have two great mentor, mentors to, to learn from in Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. So uh, another situation where I think he could impress and maybe stick around. No doubt. I mean, it's really glad to see him end up where he did uh, and after, after again, wait, as you mentioned, a, a good season uh, throughout his last year. So happy for him. And hopefully he'll be able to go in there and, uh, you know, make something out of his opportunity. And again, stick with us for continuing coverage. There's a couple other guys, you know, Jalen Moore, Gus Lavaca, uh, Daniel Rodriguez as well. There's, you know, a couple other guys that are still waiting to see if they get free agent deals and it's possible they get, you know, um, training camp deals as it gets closer. So stick with us for coverage on that. We're going to go ahead and pivot now over to the women's basketball side real quickly before we get into football recruiting, just to touch on the NCAA uh, recently, as in yesterday uh, on Friday, Granted, Taya Corsdale a medical hardship uh, for this last season where she missed all but two games uh, with a hamstring injury that turned out to be quite long. And uh, she'll return as a uh, redshirt junior next season, which was huge for Oregon State. Scott Ruick and company absolutely missed her production in the front court this last year. Um, you know, as a sophomore in 18-19, averaged seven points and almost eight rebounds. The floor spacing ability, the leadership, the toughness, all things that uh, Scott and company miss with Taya. She'll be huge next year, especially as they will look to navigate um, kind of a transition to the program with a new guard coming in or, you know, kind of a changing of the guard, so to speak. Destiny Slocum transfers out. They've got some new pieces. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm excited to see um, Taya get back on the court as uh, she definitely had a season loss this last year. Yeah, you had uh, you had Michaela come down to uh, to to my part of the United States, so maybe now somebody else will be able to to step up in her place and keep Oregon State uh, basketball, you know, kind of at the top. Absolutely, you know that's that's another great point, Jared. I think we're gonna have to get you to our dream game at some point. I never thought I would, but I'm definitely not. <laughs> I never. I'm not opposed to it. I, I I'd love to go check her out. Yeah, no, Mick, uh, uh, obviously Michaela Pivik ends up uh, with the Atlanta Dream, you know, um, a tremendous individual, Mick, and, you know, I'm sure she'll bring, 
you know, quite a bit. And, you know, even just last thing on women's basketball, I think this most recent class, you know, you keep getting these high profile, um, you know, women's basketball players that are really trying to bring um, awareness to the sport and, you know, try to bring its profile up nationally. Obviously, the, the biggest was, you know, Sabrina Ionescu going to, you know, the Big Apple in New York. But, you know, the more uh, awareness that can get put on, you know, women's college basketball and seeing, you know, these stars go to the NBA, I think it will ultimately, you know, continue to benefit the sport, which, you know, is just uh, uh, paramount because uh, these ladies work just as hard as anybody else on the court. And it's fun to watch when, you know, their journey gets paid off. And, you know, uh, I covered Mick for, you know, four years and, now uh, get to see her ball out in your neck of the woods. So yeah. it should be exciting to see how she ends up. It's cool for sure. It's definitely cool. It's not something that people down here typically get into, but as I've kind of acclimated to uh, to the stuff at Oregon State, it's cool to see how passionate everybody is about it. And obviously there's a ton of talent on that team. So hopefully uh, uh, Taya will be able to uh, to continue that. And then just the last, uh, last little piece on that, uh, we've definitely heard you at Beaver's Edge uh, wanting to – you know, hear from uh, Sasha Goforth and Savannah Samuel and uh, the new incoming freshmen. Um, as we all know right now, everyone is kind of navigating, you know, through personal things and work things and everything else in the midst of COVID-19. We have put uh, feelers out and we'll uh, look to get you some content uh, on those two uh, just as soon as we can. Pivoting to our last segment. Now we're going to move uh, over to the football side as we had a lot of football news, uh, surprisingly, go down yesterday um, from top to bottom, whether it came to uh, making the cuts for guys or just breaking down stuff. Jared, give us the latest on everything that happened on Friday. It was a good day for the Beavers, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, good a day for them as anybody else probably in the whole uh, country. You make, uh, you make a top four for, for uh, one of the best running backs in, in, in the class of 2021, uh, and then you make uh, the top seven for a 2021 offensive lineman that that they've really put a lot of uh, energy and effort towards so really great to see those two things paying off uh and it's a it's just another step towards landing both of those guys which is obviously i mean without a doubt great news um and, and something that they've worked towards really hard I, I know that that both of these guys are you know priorities for them in this class so to see them make those top lists just uh speaks about how well they're doing in recruiting the, them too and uh, yeah, they they just uh, for for more clarity, they made the uh, the top four for uh, Portland running back Demir Collins, four star guy, uh, just an absolute beast at the running back position. And then the top seven was for uh, Arizona offensive lineman Isaiah Glass, um, who's also another guy who's really blown up uh, in 2021. So it's it's definitely really nice to see them land in those two guys' top list. And uh, what they do from this point forward will be just as important as what they did uh, previously. Let's talk timeline, Jared. What are you thinking for when these guys are looking to maybe want to commit? Are they just wanting to stick with the top right now? What are you hearing from both of them? So from Isaiah, he's uh, he, he started you know feeling that he was getting some offers from some schools that he probably wasn't going to be considering down the line. So he decided that it was best for him. And, and, and you, know, you know, I really like this about what he told me. He, he made the decision to release this, this list because he didn't want to lead anybody on, didn't want to waste anyone's time, string any coaches along when they could be putting that energy into another player. And a lot of times you don't see that. You know, these guys just want to, you know, rack up as many offers as they can, whereas Isaiah, 
just decided that, you know, I've got some great schools on my list that I really want to, you know, focus on. So he went ahead and, uh, and, you know, created that, that top list, seven schools, really, really great list. Um, and for him, he, uh, he, he wants to get out for some, for some visits. He'd like to, uh, of course there's seven schools on there. You can only take five official visits. So for him, if it's permitted sooner than later, he'd like to try to take some unofficials. Of course, he already made it to Oregon State uh, prior to the dead period being put in place. But he'd like to take some unofficials to the other schools and then go from there as to uh, which schools he wants to take the officials to. Hopefully, Oregon State will earn one of those. It wouldn't surprise me if they did. They're doing a really great job recruiting him. And then after that, you could definitely see a decision for for him. Uh, For Demir, it's the same thing. Uh, really, you know, with four schools, obviously less than seven. Um, so he's able to, to to take official visits to all four of those schools if he wants to, uh, whenever he's permitted to do so. Um, great schools on there as well. Maryland, Cal, Arizona State, Oregon State. So really, really stiff competition there. I know Cal is doing a really great job building a relationship. Arizona State's putting together a, a sneaky good class. And for Maryland, you know, I, I mentioned it to you earlier off the podcast, you know, you always see them kind of pull a sneaky, really a really good sneaky guy like like Demir Collins in every class. It seems like so some stiff competition there. Um, again, Oregon State's putting a ton of effort, a ton of energy in his in his recruitment. Have made him an absolute priority at running back in the 2021 class. Probably you know a priority over everyone. Probably at the top of the board for for Oregon State. So really nice to see him uh, to see Oregon State land in his top list. And uh, it's going to be interesting to watch these guys moving forward. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, you know, just kind of breaking down the, the potential of landing both these guys, and you kind of touched on it really greatly uh, in that last uh, little bit. You know, I like Oregon State's chances for two reasons. Michael Petrie, Jim Mahalchek. You're talking about both position coaches here, and I think two of Oregon State's very best position coaches, both as coaches on the field and recruiters. Michael Petrie, I've said it over and over again, he always gets his guy on the recruiting trail. It seems like the last couple of years, and even you can back it up, Jared. They've kind of gone after one guy, one running back that they really, really, really like, whether it was Isaiah Newell, whether it was Tehran Madison. It seems like that's kind of the, um, the trend. And it appears that that guy in uh, this year's class is Demir Collins. He's obviously in the backyard. Oregon didn't make the cut. They kind of, you know, fell out of favor a little bit as far as, you know, um, them hiring, you know, the Jefferson coach and all that stuff, so on and so forth. Oregon State is firmly in the mix, and Michael Petrie's a closer on the recruiting trail. So, you know, I think the Beavers certainly need to, you know, continue to show their upper trajectory of the program, but landing a guy like Demir Collins uh, would be huge, and I think they're in a good position to do so. Over to Isaiah Glass, uh, Jim Mahalchik can now just go in and say, you know, here's a guy in Blake Brandle that I just put in the NFL. Here's a guy in Clay Cordasco that just got signed. I mean, you know, it's, you know, not, you know, one of the huge teams putting their whole starting five in the offensive or in the NFL. But nonetheless, that's still a huge recruiting tool that Mahalchuk has. And he's a real builder of men, too. So uh, I really like the, the Beavers' chances with both these guys. No doubt. Again, they're putting a lot of energy towards their recruitments, both of them. And uh, like you like you mentioned, uh, two really great recruiters after them right now. Um, so it's 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 really going to be fun to to watch how this unfolds. There's some great competition, but they're uh, they're they're doing really well and making sure that they're you know staying on these guys as hard, if not harder than than any other school. And I like what you said about Coach Petrie as well, kind of you know targeting one guy 
and because it, it's really really risky business of course they have a few i mean i think they have a total of five offers uh maybe even four out for running backs in the 2021 yeah. class um one of them already being committed in evan Pryor. uh so he's a uh, He's off the board, but there's still a few other guys available. But when you just talk about, you know, guys that they're absolutely prioritizing, dumping so much energy into, Demir is the guy. And uh, it's risky business, but just like in anything else, you have to, to to take a great risk like that in order to to have a great reward. And, of course, landing uh, Demir would be, you know, <laughs> definitely a great reward. So I really like the approach yep. there with both of these guys, and hopefully it will pay off. Risk it or biscuit. I love it, Jaron. Love it. That'll, uh, yeah, that'll go ahead and wrap up um, this edition of the Edge podcast. Again, make sure to check out beaversedge.com for the latest with everything going on. Again, today we were able to wrap up uh, the NFL draft, talk a little women's basketball, and then uh, talk about Demir Collins and Isaiah Glass. But nevertheless, there's a lot going on uh, still at Beaver's Edge. We got fresh content up every single day. And, you know, nevertheless, despite, you know, things not being physically happening with sports, there's a lot of recruiting going on, still a lot of news going on, so make sure to keep your internet browser locked to beaversedge.com on your computer or mobile device.